Another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream And you can holler Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't dictate it, is almost always the case. During my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas, today is December 3rd, 2009. It is a Thursday. And we are up to episode 329 of the Survival Podcast. And uh, today, what are we going to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about some predictions that I made on October 30th, 2008. See how I'm doing thus far. And I'll tell you why we're going to do that in just a minute after we do our housekeeping. Uh, housekeeping section one, as always, our sponsors. I try to keep uh, Survival Podcasts as commercial-free as I can for you. I try to tell you about a small group of selected sponsors uh, on a daily basis in a very short period of time, generally less than one minute for both of them. I do that to make the show primarily uh, designed to serve the listener, including even when I'm serving my sponsors. I hope I'm serving you by only bringing top-quality sponsors to you. They go through a review process. They are personally endorsed. Usually I don't explain it this much, but every once in a while I want to point it out because sometimes people say, my shows become too commercial. Well, I do want to make some money off it, folks. That is the American dream, right? To do what you love and be able to earn an income from it. Uh, and the sponsors help me do that, as do my supporting members. And um, that's why I do this all up front, knock it out quick, and then we go into the show and we have 100% content until the end. Um, so today's sponsors of the day are personal endorsements. The Lifesaver 4000 water bottle uh, from Ready-Made Resources. I really want you to check this product out. It filters down to the size, below the sizes of viruses and bacteria. Uh, there aren't many filters in the world. I don't really know if, if there is. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't know of another filter in the world that can filter out viruses and bacteria. At least it's available to the public. So uh, check that product out. The next uh, sponsor today is MERS-Radio.com. Again, MERS-Radio.com. I just got a whole bunch of MERS gear. I owe you guys a YouTube video of it. But it's really cool, and it's out-of-the-box setup. It's so simple to use and have an additional method of communications around your property and security in one system. It is really cool. Check those guys out, too. Uh, those sponsors and all our sponsors are in the right-hand margin at our website, thesurvivalpodcast.com. Make sure you visit the site. Don't just download the show from iTunes. I put a lot of stuff there for you guys. On that note, some of the things that are there, the forum, get involved with the forum. Second, the gear store. Check out the gear store. we got some cool stuff. we got a big Christmas special fixing to come up for you. I'll tell you about that by the end of the week. Next, if you think the show's worth more than 10 cents an episode, consider joining the Member Support Brigade. You get exclusive content available only to members, uh, including about $150 worth of free stuff on day one for a contribution of $5 a month or $50 a year. Um, when I started this show, people offered me donations, and I never took a donation, not a penny. Turned them all down, because I decided that if I was ever going to monetize the show, 
that I would do it in a way where I gave the people that supported the show a hell of a lot more. That's what I've done with the MSB. Check it out, and you'll see what I mean by that. All right, with that, let's get into the show. Let's talk about why we're doing this. And knocked out the housekeeping in 3 minutes, 32 seconds flat for those of you that seem to be running a stopwatch on it, all three of you. Anyway, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm just a little bit irritated and bitter today. I spent a lot of time uh, debating global warming with people yesterday, and that always just tires me because I'm so tired of that. And uh, on the global warming note, that is not what today's show is about, but I have a new rule for you. If you want to debate me on my blog or by email or in the forum about global warming, I will not debate any longer with anyone who has not at least read the Global Warming Skeptics Handbook and Global Bullying. Those two PDFs are about 18 pages apiece. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to like them. But I'm not going to debate the issue with you until you've heard the other side of the story. I've heard your side, so we're going to wash that one under the bridge. We're not going to talk about global warming for a long-ass time. I'm tired of it. But another thing that came up this week was a guy named Bob Chapman. Bob Chapman is a trends forecaster. He does his own show, and he has a newsletter, and he advises people on the state of the economy and the world. A lot of my listeners seem to like Bob Chapman, and I'm going to tell you that I like a lot of what Bob Chapman says. But what I was asked about is one particular statement that he made that advised people to do the following. Right now, liquidate everything you have in dollars today. Get it done before January. Pay the penalty. It doesn't matter if it's a CD. It doesn't matter if it's a whole life policy. It doesn't matter if it's a 401k. Panic in the streets. Dump all your dollars and buy silver and gold coins now. Don't wait. Do it now. You can listen to the video yourself. It's actually an audio program. Somebody put it on YouTube with some pictures or something. You can listen to it yourself. That's what the man said. I was asked what my opinion of that was. I said if we're going to take any, and he supposedly has inside sources in the government that have leaked this this sensitive information about 3,500 banks that are going to fail, or 2,500 banks, whatever. And the Fed is going to move to devalue the current, whatever. All right. So I was asked about that. So I dug into, like, I've heard this man's name before. I don't pay attention to him, by the way. I'm like, but I think I know who this guy is, and I was right. He was a guy that this summer said that there would be a bank holiday in September, and he had an inside source on it. Of course, September came and there was no bank holiday. And I thought, now I know who this asshat is. Because I'm like, a year ago, he did the same thing. And sure enough, I went back and checked to make sure my mind wasn't playing tricks on me. And he said the same exact thing in 2008. He had this. It was almost like he was looking for something to say. And he just went back a year and cut and pasted his own prediction from 08 and just recycled it in 09. As though it all happened all over again, but it really didn't. That's what it looks like to me. I'm not saying it is, but, you know. So basically I said, I, I don't like this guy. I think he's an asshat. I would not take his advice. And I've had a few people defending him on the blog, and a lot of people defending him by email. And what I've asked all of them, and none of them have done it, I've asked them, are you going to liquidate everything that you have in, in, in cash right now and buy gold and silver coins with 100% of your money this month, like he's advised you to? And they've all given me reasons no. Well, I think your reasons, though, are valid reasons, and it just proves my point that this guy doesn't have insight sources, and even the people that are defending him know he doesn't. One guy even said he was an insight source for the guy. And after I found out what he meant by it, I'm like, man, I'm glad I'm not taking this dude's advice. So, to be fair to Mr. Chapman, some somebody said to me, well, how often have you been wrong? What predictions have you made? I thought, you know what, I did a prediction show. I did a prediction show back on October 30th, 2008. 
it's about 14 months ago now. And it was called Nine Predictions for 2009 through 2012. And a lot of them have had time to come to fruition and either happen or not happen. And it's actually a lot more than nine predictions because as I do, whenever I go into a topic, I tend to bicarferate it and cut it up in pieces and talk about it multiple times. So I breezed through the show, looked through the show notes, pulled out as many of my predictions as I could. And I'm going to go through my own predictions, tell you where I got it right, where I got it wrong, why I got it wrong, and be upfront about it. And see, that, if you're going to listen to somebody forecasting trends, if they can't tell you where they were wrong, and why they were wrong, then their future predictions are bullshit. Because you'll never get any better if you don't analyze your failure. Alright, so let's go through them. And I I batted pretty good on this one. Uh, I mean, on the whole set of predictions. I don't have a lot of explaining to do here. Um, You can say I cherry-picked it or got lucky, but I just took the whole episode. So, we're getting ready to go into election. My first one I didn't think was... uh, really uh, going out there on a limb, but a lot of people told me I was crazy. I said that Barack Obama was going to win the presidential election by a landslide, specifically in the popular vote. Barack Obama, 365, John McCain, 173. Yeah, I'd call that a landslide. But I'm not a genius because I figured that out. I just think there were a lot of people that didn't want him that were in denial. Uh, But I got a lot of emails, man. It's not over yet. I can't believe you're giving it up. Well, I'm not real excited about the other guy either. So, Um, And it's not giving it up. It's telling you what I think is going to happen, whether I like it or not. Uh, So uh, on the election prediction, uh, that was uh, dead on. I also said the Republicans were going to get beaten mercilessly. It was going to look like the uh, the end, an oblivion beating for the Republicans. I'd say that happens, uh, happened. And I also said the media was going to, you know, make it like it's the end of conservatism. They did. The Republican Party is dead. That shit came out. They they said that. Just like I said they would. I also said that it was nonsense, that it would be the beginning of the rebuilding of the right side of the politics here, you know, not the correct, but right side, you know, and uh, that it would be exactly like what happened when the Democrats were decimated, lost the House, the Senate, what have you, that it would create a swing and balance of power, and you'd see a resurgence in grassroots movement and all that type of thing, and that's what we've seen this year, and I think we'll see a major shift back toward the Republican side of things in the next election at the House and the Senate. I don't know that we'll totally, the, 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 I don't want to say will, because I'm not, I'm not part of the Republican Party. I don't know that they'll take it back completely, but you're going to see a power swing. Now, this is not me being a genius. This is me paying attention to history. This is how it works. It always swings back and forth. Because when one side has complete and total control, and people aren't happy, and they're not happy now, because it's not all rainbows, unicorns, and lollipops coming out of people's butts like everybody thought it was going to be that voted for this ass clown Obama, and, and they don't even understand the division of powers, and they think that if the president is in power, that means that the party's in power. And these are the same people that for the last two years of Bush's administration said so the Republicans are in power when the Democrats control the House and the Senate. People are ass clown idiots, they don't know what's going on, and they're going to swing the other way. So, I was a thousand, you know, a thousand percent right on that one. Um, here's what I'm going to, I'm going to admit how wrong I was to you because I could claim it as being right. And, uh, what it is is I said that while Obama would win by a landslide in the electoral college votes, the state votes, uh, the media would just chop it up as a landslide, period. And, but it would not be a landslide. That in the popular vote, it would be a hell of a lot closer. So what was the popular vote split? 53% to 46%. 
I could sit here and lie to you and say I got that one right. I, I didn't get it right. 53-46 in a presidential election is a big margin. It's, it's one of the largest margins that's happened in recent history in a, in a presidential election with the popular vote. Um, it's not what I meant. I was thinking more of a two to three point swing in popular vote. I got that one at least 50% wrong. Why did I get it wrong? I underestimated how stupid the average American was that supported this ass clown. And I underestimated what a wet blanket McCain was and how many people that really didn't want Barack Obama had made the same estimation I have and just decided not to bother going out to vote. Uh, Because those people are people that only really focus on the presidential election. And, And I got those two voter blocks wrong. And if I have a similar prediction to make in the future, I'll consider them more deeply. Uh, but out of that one, out of three different predictions, I'm going to call it two out of three, 66%. Um, next one, everybody was convinced that 2009 we would see a new assault weapons ban. People were panicking. It caused the ammo shortage. It drove up the prices of weapons. People were freaking out. I went to gun shows, and they had, before Obama was even elected, rifles on the table with signs that say, better get it now, Obama's coming. All right. And I said that this assault weapons ban stuff was not going to happen, that the people leading the charge at the time were four rhino Republicans that needed to have their asses handed to them, but that their constituencies wouldn't do it, which they didn't. They're all forced to go in office. And, um, but there would be no assault weapons ban in 2009. That the Democrats had bigger fish to fry, that they wanted to go after national health care, they were going to have an economy on the rails uh, that was just going to be too difficult to do, and that there was actually too much uh, resistance to uh, the failed initial assault weapons ban uh, by moderate Democrats. Um, It ain't happening, folks. We're 30 days away from the end of the year now. There will be no new assault weapons ban in... in, in 2009, just like I said, I nailed that one 100%. What I missed was I, I knew that Harry Reid would oppose it. Um, now, I'm not a fan of the guy overall, but I knew on this issue Harry Reid would oppose it, and trying to get something done against the opposition of a Senate majority leader would be difficult. I had no idea that Nancy Pelosi would step up uh, due to her protectionist attitude of her office and not wanting to fight this fight so badly that she said, I won't even let it be debated on the House floor. So I'm surprised at how right I was. I didn't think it would be that easy to keep this thing dead for another year. Um, I'm saying it's not gone away, but short term, this is not some. This is not a fight they want. Uh, they're going to be worried about holding power next year. This is a losing battle, and they know it. They have enough on their hands. So I'm going to extend that one through next year and say, don't even think it's going to be talked about heavily in uh, the coming year. Um, so 100% right on that one. Uh, I said that there would be a second bailout, stimulus two, uh, that no money would go to people, that Bush already had it pretty much worked out what it was going to be as far as the dollar figure and that it was going to happen, that the timeline was around February or March of uh, 2009, that it would be lauded and hailed as Barack Obama's, Obama's stimulus plan. We would be told that we would need it because it would save our economy and that absolutely 100% was going to pass against the will of the people. You tell me how right I was. And I'm not sitting here to brag, guys. I, I actually wish there was more here I was wrong about. I like being wrong. But uh, I, I think I called that one dead on, too. 
It's exactly what happened. And if, if you go, and anybody wants to fact check this stuff, go back to uh, the show. I'll put a link to it in today's show notes. It was, again, it was nine predictions for 2009 through 2012 uh, on October 30th, 2008. This is when I said these things initially. So, yeah, I think I nailed the second bailout. And, uh, you know, these are things I'm not real happy about being right about, too, folks. doesn't mean I wanted them to happen. It, it doesn't mean that I... Uh, that I have clairvoyance. I, I just paid attention. See, all of this stuff was already written down. You can go read about it. It was already true that George Bush was on record of, of planning a second stimulus. Uh, he knew he couldn't do it. He didn't have enough time to do it in the end. It wouldn't be acceptable in the end that nobody on the left liked him at all and the right had abandoned him, that it had to be set up and put on the tee for Barack Obama to knock off the tee. Now, what did I get wrong about it? Uh, didn't quite come out the way I expected it to. I didn't think... I didn't even consider that basically Nancy Pelosi would run up and down the aisles of the Democrat side of the House and ask every Democrat congressman, what do you want out of this? I had no idea that was going to happen. I didn't know we would be saving the marshmallows in Nancy Pelosi's district. I had no idea that this stimulus bill was going to build a tunnel under a highway in Florida that they actually expected that turtles would know how to use. I had no idea that we were going to put a guardrail along a, a, a lake so people wouldn't run into the lake of a lake that not only has not yet been built but is never going to be built, that was planned and canceled 10 years ago. I had no idea it was going to be that bad. I didn't really know exactly what they were going to do with the money. I just knew that it was going to be a hell of a lot of money, as much, at least as much as the first one, that it would pass against the will of the people. So I got it right there. I didn't know what they were going to do with the money. I'll be honest with you. So there's where I was wrong. And... Um, you know what, looking at it, what else do we think they were going to do with $800 billion? Create green jobs? Now, I, did, I think I did say they were going to sell it to us that way, but, uh, I mean, if they're not going to actually create green jobs, they're not actually going to incentivize uh, alternative energy, if they're just going to pay lip service to it, what else would they do with $800 billion? That's a lot of money to dispose of. you got to come up with some pretty creative ways to do it, so I should have got that right. Um the next one would be that we would be uh, within two years, and I think we're on our way to it, because uh, i got another year for this one to play out, and I think we're already seeing it right now. We would either be in the greatest depression of all time, that it would make the recession that we were entering into at that point look like a joke, or more likely we would be in the middle of a false recovery. And it might even look like, at the end of two years, one of the greatest rebounds ever of the United States economy. I think that I'm right on this one. 2010 will tell if I'm right on this one. Um, I hope I am, because it gives people more time to adjust to what's coming, because I'm still saying the other side is a big crash. But... uh I said, if you looked, I said this earlier this week, if you look at the stock market from February till now, it looks great. Now, I think there's a lot of bullshit in there. It's fake. It's not real. Unemployment's still through the roof. I understand that. But the economy overall has these green shoots and all this other nonsense. It, right now, we are in the middle of a false recovery. 
Okay, so I've got the false recovery right because everybody's saying things are better, but just as many people don't have jobs. We'll get to how many in a minute. Um, just as many people are without you know their homes because they've lost them. Uh, the real estate market has not rebounded, so we're in what everybody's calling a recovery, and it doesn't feel like a recovery to you. And I think in 2010, it's going to start feeling like a recovery to a lot of people. People are going to buy into it, and the money's going to start to flow again. And it's going to create a great big freaking bubble. And I think that's what the Democrats are relying on to win the day in 2010. But I don't think they can get the recovery around the, tr- the track fast enough. Um, I don't know if I said this during my prediction show, but part of it, I, I couldn't have because I didn't, I didn't know exactly how this was going to play out yet. But part of this now is, in like reinforcing this, and I didn't know how this would come out, is that the stimulus money, most of the stimulus money hasn't been spent yet. Hasn't been printed and spent yet, I should say. That money's getting dumped into the economy heavily beginning in March next year. So I think that's going to further drive this false recovery, and we're going to have a lot of make work and things like that. And I think 2010 on paper, if you're an idiot, is going to look pretty damn good. And I think we're setting ourselves up maybe even a continued uh, rebound into 2011, but right at or after the next election, I'm stretching this one out, biggest crash ever. And, and I'm, I think that what Obama is hoping for is that his re-election comes up right at the peak of the bubble. Because that guarantees him another four years. And then it guarantees him an additional four years of catastrophe to bring us back from again and still lay the blame somewhere else and get more of his bullshit programs into place. So I think that is the timing he's betting on. I, I, I don't know that we have that much time left. I don't think the next bubble can take us to November of 2012. I, I, I don't think it can. It might, but I don't think so. But on the prediction itself, um, I nailed it. Two years from now, uh, we will be in a false recovery or the biggest recession of all time. I'm kind of hedging my bet there. So uh, another year from now, you can, you can judge that one fully. But at this point, midway through, we look like we're in a false recovery to me. Another one that everybody was freaked out about, that when the Democrats took over, they were going to reinstate the Fairness Doctrine. Uh, which is a thing that says on radio shows, for instance, uh, you have to allow the other view to be heard. So if Bill O'Reilly is on for an hour, then you have to bring a counterpoint on for an hour. You have to have equal time. And that it was, uh, was going to be reinstated. And what I said was, no way, no how, no chance, a hot potato, they don't really want it. They'll talk about it. They'll run their lips about it. They'll distract you with it. But they will never make a run at this in 2009. It's not going to be an issue. Don't worry about it. Your favorite pablum puking talk show host is not going to go away. He'll be there. You can listen to him all you want. And he'll be saying whatever left-wing or right-wing thing you want to hear come out of his mouth. And no one is going to stop them. And that if they actually did that, even the people that hate the right-wing radio, which is really the target of this, would rise up and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, the free speech thing, we're, we're kind of serious about that, so that it wasn't going to happen. Hasn't happened, not going to happen, not anytime soon. Maybe another year or two as things change and they come up with some excuse for it. But in the short term, uh, I was right. And in the continuing short term, I'll extend the prediction. Uh, next one. I said unemployment would hit double digits. 
I absolutely said October 30th, 2008. In 2009, we will see double-digit unemployment. If you look at the official unemployment numbers today, and I was talking about the official ones, I don't want to hedge my bet here and say, but the actual jobless rate or whatever is, you know, 20%. No, I meant the regular adjusted lying unemployment rate would hit double digits. And today it's 9.5%. So you'd say, well, you missed that one, Jack, by half a percent. Still pretty good. No, I nailed it. Uh, In October, the unemployment rate topped 10.2%. So we did see double-digit employment, unemployment in 2009. Further, if you look at the unemployment rate today, you'll see that it says not adjusted for seasonal employment. There's a lot of people working right now that won't be working in January. Every retailer in America ramps up with additional temporary labor in December, and then lays off 90% of who they hire in January and keep the best 10% is kind of new fodder for the coming year. That's been done over and over again. So without that seasonal adjustment right now, we're still sitting at 10%. So not only did we hit it, not only was I right about it, but we're really still there. And it's it's a, a, a falsehood right now that unemployment has dropped since October. It really hasn't. Everybody knows it. And I don't think uh, there are very many people that would try to argue that that's not the case uh, in any way, shape, or form. At least anybody that's really, uh, you know, right about things. Um, I said the violent crime rate would escalate in 2009. That was another one. Violent crime rate would go up. Um... I don't think I'm right about that. It's hard to find statistics for the violent crime rates for 2009 um, in December of uh, 2009 because the year's not over yet, and I couldn't find any really good statistics that I would trust to point at and say that I was right. But I can tell you, based on the the, the chatter on the news and and things like that, um, I think I blew this one. I thought that this uh, unemployment rate going up and, and things like that would it would increase the violent crime rate. It, it it really hasn't. Not anywhere near the level I meant. I could I could wait. I could hedge and say, look, it went up one percent. That's not what I meant. I, I was thinking a, a significant increase in violent crime in the United States. I do believe that crime went up. Right, that the crime rate uh, went up. Because of petty theft, because of burglary, because of people trying to feed themselves. But I was wrong about, I guess, the the emerging criminal element, that the majority of it was nonviolent. Got it wrong. Uh, Can't even make an excuse for it. I'm not even sure yet why I got that one wrong. I'm going to have to think deeper on it. Uh, Maybe I overestimated the impact of the negative economy. Uh, Maybe I underestimated... um, my fellow man, who's not already a criminal, I underestimated his will to stay to stay true to who he is. Uh, I'm not sure there, but I got that one 100% wrong. Um, I said that George Bush had already planned the withdrawal from Iraq, had set a date for August of 2010. Uh, that by 2010, August, we would be out of Iraq 100%, except maybe a small contingent of advisors or something like that. And that uh, the media would laud and praise Barack Obama uh, as bringing our troops home from Iraq. Hasn't had time to happen yet, um, but we've had major troop withdrawals from Iraq. And uh, the timeline is still set. I will lay anybody right now. Um, 
thousand to one odds, if you want to take the bet, that if I end up being right, and if we are indeed out of Iraq, barring some kind of crazy thing changing this, now that it's set in motion, in uh, 2010, that the media is going to give credit to Barack Obama, by and large, for ending the Iraq War. Anybody that wants that action from me, it's yours. You can have it. Come get it. And maybe not 1,000 to 1. I'll do 100 to 1 odds with you. 100 to 1 odds. The media will paint it as a victory for Barack Obama. I don't think anybody wants that bet because you know that they're going to. Um, But everything that's been done in Iraq um, right up till this moment has been set in place by the Bush administration. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying that Bush did a good job. I'm not saying Bush did a bad job with it. I'm just saying who did it. And the result you're getting where it came from. It's not an advocacy or or an anti-advocacy of anybody. It's just the bias of our media. And that most people were saying at that point that we would still be in Iraq four or five years from now, that we'd be there almost eternally, that we would never leave. And I was like, don't you read? This was all in motion. It was already planned. It was already set. And see, the thing was, everybody looked at it and Bush said, we won't have a withdrawal day. We won't have a withdrawal day. We won't. But what, 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 what his, his, his mouth meant... And I won't say he meant, because I think he was being told what to say. But what his mouth meant was, we won't announce the withdrawal date until we see victory. And whatever we define victory of is in that theater. So while we're in the middle of the worst part of the fight, we're not setting a withdrawal date. And we're not setting a timeline. But once we've established that we've gotten things done, of course we're going to set a date. So in August, with little fanfare and with no real recognition or acknowledgement, the Bush administration put out an announcement of withdrawal troops by 2010. Said it would happen. Uh, Said it was going to continue to happen. Said Obama would get credit for it. Obama's already been given credit for it. Um, Early this year... uh, a renewed interest in this 2010 day came up, and uh, Barack Obama was given credit for it, laudedly by the mainstream media. Alright, the next one I said, God, this is the one I just freaking want to be wrong about, but so far I'm, I'm dead right. Um, I said that all of you people that were voting for Barack Obama, because you were convinced he was a peacemaker, that he would end the wars, like the Iraq war, that he was going to get credit for ending, that he didn't end. The thought that he would eventually, you know, get us out of Afghanistan and really didn't want to be in foreign wars and he was, you know, an anti-war candidate, were delusional. That Barack Obama would escalate the Afghanistan war. Eventually it would turn into a disaster, potentially another Vietnam for the United States. Because Democrat presidents are typically given a pass with escalating wars, Lyndon Johnson, um, by the press, and given more free reign to rage, wage war, but they pit, typically do a, a, a more poor job of it. They do things incrementally, very slowly, instead of a big giant thump. So they make things worse and worse and worse, because if you slowly increase your presence in a nation, you give the enemy a a chance to respond to it. They adjust to it. But if you just go in there full force and knock them out, they can't adjust. It's It's a shock and awe type of thing. Not necessarily with bombs and missiles, but with body count. So if you said to me, let's talk about how I would handle Afghanistan today. If you said to me, Jack, what would you do in Afghanistan? I'd say, well, I don't really know. We've made a real mess there, haven't we? Um, we went there for a reason that most people agreed with, but now we really don't know what the hell we're doing. And we don't know what the hell our goal is. But 
And that said, there are only two ways to fight this war in Afghanistan. One, we unleash the full power and might of our United States American military. We let them do their jobs. They go in there and they root out every single pile of resistance. If somebody fires a shot from a house, we blow the house to the ground. We fight it like a war. War is hell. War is bloody. War is messy. And the only way you win a war is by killing more of them than they kill of you. And we do it and we do it 100% until all resistance is crushed. And we totally decimate and destroy the will of the enemy to fight. That's option one. The only other option that a commander-in-chief should even consider is 100% immediate withdrawal of our troops. That's it. Because if I'm going to say, if you put me in command of our military, I don't think I'm up to it, guys. I don't want the job. But if you did it and you said you got to do it, well, if I'm your commander-in-chief, I am not sending you into harm's way unless I give you every option to win. And I give you everything you need to do the job. And then I'm going to let the people that are actually trained to do the job, from the, the grunt soldier on the ground up to the general, do their freaking job. Or I'm going to say, that's too much bloodshed. It's too much blood and treasure on both sides. It's not worth that level of commitment. And then I'm not putting you in harm's way. So it's in or out. But this lukewarm stuff is what turns things into Vietnams. That's how we got Vietnam where it was. It was a very slow, gradual increase of troops that the enemy was able to adapt to and adjust to. Plain and simple. Now, conspiracy theorists will tell you both of these wars have gone exactly the way they were supposed to. It was never about winning. It was about money. And on this one, the conspiracy theorists will be right. But what did I say about Barack Obama? He would escalate the war. Um, Everybody's focused on 30,000 more troops that were just announced. Is that what I'm basing my I was right uh, about? No, I'm basing it on 60,000 troops. You see, uh, Barack Obama sent an additional 30,000 troops to Afghanistan shortly after taking office. That means in in his first year, he's ordered the escalation in Afghanistan of 60,000 troops. 60,000 troops in one year. doesn't sound like a slow, gradual increase the way I'm calling it, uh, does it? But it is. If you wanted to do this thing right, you'd deploy about a quarter million men into this, this, this theater overnight. And you'd go in there and you'd wipe the place out. We would have already done it. And I'm not going to pick on Barack Obama for it. Because it's what Bush should have done too. Or you don't fight the war. You fight a war to kill and destroy the enemy. And if it's not worth doing, you don't fight it. But, yeah, Barack Obama will escalate the war in Afghanistan. I call that 100% accurate. And the biggest one that people told me I was, you're wrong. You're wrong. I support Barack. He's going to make peace with the world. Yeah, well, he's gone around and apologized for the world, to, to the rest of the world for the United States. He's gone around bowing to royalty. He's gone around talking about how America has been arrogant in our past. But he hasn't done a damn thing to any war anywhere. The one that's coming to fruition in Iraq, he had nothing to do with the thing coming to fruition. In fact, he fought in the Senate the very things that made it come to fruition. And this thing in Afghanistan, instead of bringing it to fruition, he's setting an artificial timetable while increasing troop count. I think I got that one right. God, I wish I was wrong. Um, 
folks remember, we're supporting the troops at Spur- Spurwing Gar uh, in Afghanistan this year. If you want to send packages over to our troops, send me an email, uh, jackofthesurvivalpodcast.com. I'll give you the address by email. I was asked not to make it public. So when you hear these things from me about Afghanistan and, and, and what's being done there, don't think that I don't support those guys that are there in the middle of it. I just really, really wish to hell for their sake I was wrong about this. But no, that's what this ass clown is going to do. His, his general asks for 40, he gives them 30. He takes months and months to make the decision. Why? So he can look like he agonized over it. He even has his talking piece uh, uh, vice president oppose his decision. Why? So he can sell it to you and me and tell us, I, I, I have to do this. No, you don't. You can either fight the war to win it, sir, or you can get our men out of it. Please pick one. Lukewarm gets you killed in warfare. So, again, I was right. I wish I was wrong. The last one was that we will all pay higher taxes under the Barack Obama administration. That it will come in one form or another. Everybody, not just those making over 250000 not just those making over 200000 not just those making over 150000 is it slowly declined during the campaign, and it started out 250 and ended up at 150. So he already broke his word in his own campaign, and people voted for him anyway. But everybody, one way or another, we would all pay higher taxes. And uh, you know what? It hasn't happened yet. I didn't think it would happen in the first year anyway. I didn't say it would. I said it would happen during his administration. All they have to do is pass cap and trade, and we all get taxed on the back end. Um, I do think they're going to raise the ceiling on Social Security. That's going to be a huge tax increase. Um, I don't know what else they're going to do here, but there will be new taxes in the next three years. Um, the health care reform, if it passes, is going to be a massive tax increase. You call it whatever you want to, it's a tax. When the government fines you for not having health insurance, it's a tax. I call it a fine, but it's a tax. One way or another, the majority of Americans will be paying more taxes by 2012 unless there's a major revolution in this country in the ballot system in the polling places. But I don't see that happening either. Because I see all we're going to do is swing the balance of power back to a bunch of ass clowns that had it before and spent more money and did the same stupidity that our Democrats are doing now. They just talked about it differently. So I wish I had a rosier outlook on that. So there you go. There's my predictions. There's how they came out. And uh, I'm sure I've made some other ones I've blown. If you want to bring them up, fine. I'll analyze them. I'll tell you why I got it wrong. Um, I'm happy to. But why did I do this show today? Was this so I could stick somebody's nose in it and say, hey, look, see, you asked me how well, my predictions were, and look how many of my got right. No, no. It's because I want people to use their own discernment. Because there's not a damn thing I predicted that was that outstanding over the last year. Most of it was already written into the adages of the ages, so to speak. It was already there. You just had to look for it. You had to have an open mind. You had to quit being blinded by a left and right paradigm. And that's the big thing that confuses people. They're so married to or so against one party, they don't realize how much of the two parties are actually identical and the same. And they focus on an issue like gay marriage on one side or gun control on the other. And I'm not saying that the issues are not important in of themselves. 
but they get used to misdirect you. And because of that, you don't look deeper. And since you don't look deeper, you don't see the obvious things that are just sitting right there in front of you. And then an ass clown like Bob Chapman comes along and says, liquidate all your money. And I just want, when you get advice like that, I want you to step back and I want you to analyze it before you act on it. Because I think that advice like that is absolutely irresponsible. I think it's obscene on its face. I think that if somebody does it and it hurts them, that they should be able to turn around and sue that ass clown. Because he didn't do it the way I did it when I told you to get your money out of the stock market. You know what I said when I told you? This was one of my other predictions. June 2008, when I started the show, the, the economy is about to crash. Every economic indicator has said so. I'm not a genius. I'm not a financial advisor. I can't tell you exactly what to do with your money. But, boy, I don't want my money in stocks right now. I would get out of the stock market. And when people email me and say, should I liquidate my 401k? I say, no. Leave your money in your 401k. Leave it tax deferred. Just put it into a cash fund. Do something to protect it. The market crash is coming. Not because I was a genius, because you had to be an idiot to not accept the fact that the market crash was coming. I also said, if I'm wrong, the worst thing that will happen is somehow, some miracle will happen, and maybe you can make 10% between now and the end of the year. And that was, wasn't going to happen. There was no way it was going to happen. But if it did, the worst thing that would happen is you put your money in the cash, you lost the opportunity to gain 10%. And then if you did that because your gut told you to do that, you'd be okay with it. You'd be able to live with yourself. But if your gut's telling you right now to get out and you don't do it, and by the end of the year you lose half of what you have, you're not going to be able to live with that. That was the advice that I gave. I think it was good advice. I've heard from a lot of people that took it and followed it, and they're all pretty happy about it. I've heard some people that when I was like, I don't know about going back in yet, that were looking to go back in in, in February and March. They're going, man, I wish I would have went back in. And I'm like, man, I, all I can tell you is what I think and what I feel and what I'm actually doing with my own money. You know, that's the other thing. I don't think Bob Chapman has converted all of his cash into gold coins and silver. When somebody advises you to do something they don't do themselves, I don't trust them. So the reason I did this show today is because there's a lot of information out there. And anybody can get online and say anything in print or audio or video today. That's one of the great things about the Internet. It's also one of the dangers about the Internet. Just because somebody's polished, just because somebody speaks well, just because somebody gets things right 90% of the time doesn't mean that they're not wrong 10% of the time. And when they start telling you what to do, you better really analyze what they're saying. Because that's what gets me tired of all of these people. The conspiracy crowd. They're going to move in 2009. They're going to move in 2008. Internment camps will be start being used in 2007. And they make these predictions with these dates over and over and over and over. And the dates come and the dates go. And you know what they do? It's like, it's like a faith healer. Right, the scamming faith healer. That when he has 15 people that get psychosomatically improved in their condition, because it wasn't that bad. They had headaches, and now they're not as bad anymore. Or, you know, they, uh, they their hip hurt, but now they can walk. Or they threw away their blood pressure medication, and they're okay, but they've only done it for a week, and nobody would expect much of anything else. And then some little kid in a wheelchair that actually is paralyzed from the waist down comes by, and then they say, rise up and walk. And the kid doesn't do it. And they do one of two things. They either say, oh, it's God's will. There's a reason this boy's in the chair. Or his faith isn't strong enough. I don't really heal him. People heal themselves. To cop out. To cop out because they're full of shit. 
Well, that's what these predictors do. They say shit like, oh, you know, well, the government likes to float trial balloons to see how it would be received. Well, you've just told me that the evil, nefarious government who wants to eradicate 80% of the population and kill us all, put us in concentration camps and gas us, have a step on the red line to go to internment camp and a blue line to be gassed. You've just told me that that's the people you're talking about. But people that are that evil, that want to kill us all, they floated a trial balloon to see what public opinion was before they did it. Oh my God! How can you listen to people like that? So that's why I did this show today. To show you that everybody's wrong sometimes. I've been wrong on this show. I've said on this show I reserve the right to be wrong. Specifically about certain things. There's a lot of people that think I'm wrong about global warming. I think I'm right. It's a difference of opinion. I don't debate opinion. You want to debate with me? We debate facts. So if you want to tell me how accurate Bob Chapman is, how he's spot on, bring me some of his insider information and show me where he was right. Show me where he said they're going to do this on this date, and then it happened. You know? And you'd say, well, where have you done that? I don't do that. And I think that anybody that does that's full of shit. And I've had people throw another guy back at me, Gerald Salenti. I'm really losing it with Salenti, too, guys. I mean, I'll put him in the same league with Chapman here. Where's the, uh, where's the, where's the tax rebellions in 2009? Where are people worried more about food on the table at Christmas than presents right now? Where's the real estate crash, the, uh, the commercial real estate crash in 2009, Mr. Salenti? Where is it? It hasn't happened. Do I think he's wrong overall? No! No, but when people start this date stuff, I've said this before, you know what they do? They put the date on it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And they're wrong and they're wrong and they're wrong and they're wrong and they're wrong. And then sooner or later, since they're making ten predictions, one or two of them actually freaking happen. And then they go, see, I said by February, and look, it's January, and it happened. And they put up their article, and they put up their little mouthpiece talking point, and they say, see, I predicted it. See, I was right. I see. But no one ever goes back and says, well, you predicted this for the last five freaking years. And they'll go, yeah, yeah, for five years. I said, no, no, you predicted it by this point, and it came and went. And you predict, and you never backed up and said where you got it wrong or why you were adjusting. You just re-predicted it. You know? We have a word for that. It's called being a false prophet. And I hope that you uh, get some BS detection going on from now on and you learn to recognize these people for what they are. Most of them are flim-flam men. They're hucksters. They're creating a business model around telling you that they can figure out something before it happens when you have the same ability. I think that's what I really wanted you to understand today. It's not whether or not these people are right or wrong. It's whether or not what they do is that impressive. As I said, my my predictions, my 800 batting average there, not that impressive. I don't think there's anything there that every single person that's informed, that listens to this show, if they would have read the same things and dug into the same things and paid attention to the same things that I did back then, would have come to the same conclusions. I think if you would have took away your bias and your emotion and looked at the facts on the ground, you probably would have been just as accurate as me, if not more accurate than me. Okay? I really do. I think that a lot of the people listening to the show would have been even more accurate than me because I get so angry. I get emotional. I think you could have done a better job. 
And I think these people like Chapman, like Salenti, like all of these people, you know, what they say is interesting, and we can use it, and we can take out pieces and parts of it, and we can even respect it and admire it in some ways, because at least they're doing something. But God forbid you take their advice when they're calling you to action in a short-term time frame. You really need to think for yourself. You've got to do it. If you don't do it, you're just following, as I've said earlier this week, a different shepherd. And that you're still a sheep. You don't need to be a sheep. You need to be a wolf. The wolf is not as evil as we're told. The wolf takes care of his family in a small pack. He feeds himself. They take care of their young. They have a hierarchy. They have a system. They have a plan. And they really care about their pack. And they don't prey upon other wolves. They prey upon the game that is actually there for them. People say they prey upon sheep. Wolves don't prey upon sheep. When men stick sheep in front of wolves, they eat sheep because it comes natural to them. But in their natural state, the wolves go out and use the resources that the planet provides the way they were designed to do. And they're a, a good part of it. But they think for themselves. They make their own decisions about where to hunt today, when to sleep, when to get up. Wolves are free. Sheep live in a pen. They're led around by a shepherd. There's nothing wrong with being a wolf. Join me and be a wolf. And with that, I'm Jack Spierko, and this has been another edition of a survival podcast. You can scream and you can holler. It really doesn't matter Cause it all gets spent